Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Claire Mutimer. And I'm Susie Coulson. We are bringing you a season of backstories with the theme, A New Normal. Telling the stories of us all adjusting to life in the midst of this corona outbreak. We hope you find some comfort in hearing other people's stories. They have all been recorded remotely, obviously, so we apologise for any sound blips. We kick off with Amy, who's in the midst of a very tricky time. She explains more here. So, hi Amy. Hi. It would be great if you could just tell us a little bit about what's been happening in your life recently because I think corona has affected you in a bit of a different way hasn't it? It has really and it's almost been secondary. My mum who I'm really really close to was diagnosed with a really large pituitary brain tumour about two and a half weeks ago I think it was. It's all a bit of a blur which is too large to remove completely but also with that she was already blind in one eye from um, something years ago and Hence why it had got so large, because actually, had she had sight in that eye, she would have realised sooner. But in her other eye, she'd started to lose peripheral vision. So it became critical that she probably would be blind and having headaches and possibly dead within three months. Right. So everything sprung into action. And obviously, we were kind of aware two and a half weeks ago, it seems so surreal, but it wasn't such a big thing. Yeah. We knew it was coming, but I don't think it was quite so much maybe it was three weeks ago in the public conscious so we were aware of it but we weren't really panicking and we were just focused on mum um, and they gave us a surgery date of I think the 21st of March so what are we today that must be about now um, <clears throat> and then as things progressed we thought that surgery is never going to happen if we wait that long and we started to panic because I've got lots of friends that are medics and, and I knew that they were getting really anxious and they're all really sensible, lovely, normal people who wouldn't normally be dramatic about things. It's, I said it's a bit like when you're on a plane and the air hostess looks anxious, you think, oh my God, OK, there is something wrong. Um, so we, I sort of asked friends, what do I need to do? And they said, you need to get her classed as an emergency. So... We went back and said, look, her eyesight is really deteriorating. She's literally now left with 25% vision. And ludicrously, when I spoke to the neurologist initially, they said, you need to take her to A&E. And I was like, honestly, she's 78 years old. She's got lung disease. She was a knitwear designer and they think the fibres have caused that. Right. Um, I said, I'm not going to take her to sit in A&E for three hours with what's going on because that's just insane. Yeah. And they said, well, she needs to be seen by her ophthalmologist to agree that her sight's deteriorated. And I said, well, you've got all that information. Anyway, I um, spoke to the ophthalmologists and they said, that sounds ludicrous, but bring her in the back door sort of thing and we'll see her. 
And then within two hours, I don't know who spoke to who, the neurosurgeon's team called and said, can you bring her in by four o'clock this afternoon? Mm. So it all happened super, super quickly. Wow. And I think there was an understanding that, yes, if she didn't have it done now, it probably would never happen. And as we've seen, they've now cancelled all non-urgent surgery. Right. Um, so we are hugely relieved that that happened. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the background. And then it's progressed from there that she has gone into Southampton. It's an amazing centre, um, the Wessex Neurological Centre, I think it's called. And we really didn't know if she'd survived the surgery. We've been told it was really high risk for her and also that the chances of her going blind were high. And she got through the surgery and she could tell them on the ICU that they were holding a pink pen. So we felt like we'd won the jackpot. And it was just amazing. Um, And then she came to and she was really articulate. She could speak just the same as I am, but just hilarious. The conversations were absolutely bonkers. Right. uh, Really making us laugh and an insight. So my mum's an artist and designer, so she's quite creative anyway. Right. And it was like she was living in a sort of fantasy line and she was saying things to me. Do you know Trevor who makes those wonderful magic chairs? And I mean, it was just endless. Oh. Um, And they scanned her and said, oh, she's got a small air pocket and, and... that hopefully will improve. But then something else has happened now and we don't know what. Um, So she can't speak and she can't swallow. Um, And the nightmare we're finding is that the hospital is now shut, so we can't go in at all. Oh, my gosh. And getting information out is just impossible. And so we're stuck in this hideous situation. And also, of course, the kids have now been sent home from school so my husband's trying to manage his job from home, manage the children. I can't be with the children because they had a cough and a fever. So I've been completely separated from my husband and my children living at my mum's house and now also can't go into the hospital to see her. So it's, yeah, it's just a nightmare. So how long ago did it happen that you weren't allowed to go in anymore? Uh, two days ago. So the day before yesterday, we were told... I'd I'd been there for sort of 10 hours a day, sitting with her and trying to encourage her. We were told that we would be allowed in for one hour a day. And then we arrived yesterday morning, this is my brother and I. Um, and they said, I'm really sorry, but we're now on no visitors at all. Um, but there's no procedure in place for letting, you know, if, if mum could speak, it would be fine. We could FaceTime, we could talk. And I don't disagree with it. You know, I'm thrilled that they're keeping mum safe because if she if she got COVID, then that would be it for her with her lung problems. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's there's no nothing in place for making sure that medical teams call us to speak to us because I, I'm just reliant on that information to know what's happening with her, really. Right. And you can't get hold of them at all. No. Or... So last night, I mean, I'm quite bullshy and I and I will push it. I, at 10 o'clock last night, called the hospital and asked the switchboard, who's in charge of the hospital? You know, who is the top person on duty tonight? And they put me through to this brilliant woman who was great. And she said, it's not good enough. I'm really sorry. Um, We are in a crisis, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be looking after the people that we are already caring for. So she said, I'm going to walk straight to the ward now and see what I can find out. Um, And amazingly, she called me back half an hour later and was lovely. And she said, I found someone, not your mum's surgical team, but he's going to look through 
the notes and call you in the morning and if he doesn't call me back which he he did call me this morning um but it turns out that the MRI that we've been waiting for was incomplete so I still don't really have any information oh. um so it's really frustrating Oh, um, and the children I can't see and the children are saying mummy daddy doesn't do good food so they're, they're miserable oh. <laughs> and obviously daddy's trying to run his job from that he works in the city so he's trying to have conference calls with people all over the world um, and it's you know it's the same for everyone we're all in it but it's really difficult when the children and I don't even know how we're going to manage with um, my eldest son is in year nine, so he's got schooling proper lessons through Zoom starting next week. Your son is in year six. Like, how is he feeling? Because he's obviously missed out on oh, like he's kind of devastated. That's and then the end of term and yeah, he's devastated. Like the residential, and he's been with them all since nursery. So yeah, the residential, the school play. They're talking about still trying to do it virtually. Maybe you know somehow. Oh, um, so. You know, there's that secret hope that maybe Boris is right and in 12 weeks we can relax things and maybe they can interact some more. But at the moment, I think everyone's pretty much assuming school's off till September. So, yeah, yeah, he's really sad. And I think from a mental health perspective, we're going to have to work really, really hard for the children because that social education is just as important, I think, as, as their academic education. Yeah, that's so true. I've really noticed yeah. with my four-year-old, she is really pleased about all of this because I think she's on the edge of not needing to be at school, if you know what I mean, yeah. and she still, and she just sees it as more time with mummies. Yeah. And it's really interesting because with, with my elder son, he's he's kind of quite down and I can tell. You yeah, because he's made proper friendships by that age. Yeah, and he's all about kind of trying to Google, you know, yeah. his friends and like, you know, to sort of co- contact them. Well, I've set up for Theo's year, the year six is I've set up on Zoom, the year six breakfast club. So every morning they can hang out for half an hour and chat. Oh, that's such and a good idea. If that works, then we'll introduce it at lunchtime and evening so that if they want to just go on, They've got a space that they can all go on. And it's not in clicky groups. It means that every child, or there's 40 in his year, that every child can be part of that. That's a really good idea. So we'll see. I don't know how that's going to work with a bunch of 11-year-olds, but we'll see. So, like, before you left the hospital, what was the kind of atmosphere there? Like, what were the nurses saying? And, like, how was it feeling in there? There was a definite sense of anxiety, I think a lot of them are really young that were there and quite fearful and they're really, in Southampton, really cross that they can't get tested. Right, and the yeah. worry, and But it's just horrible because, you know, you know your own mum and I just think, oh, they just see her now. She's this, you know, old lady sitting in the corner, can't speak, slightly drooling. Yeah. Uh, and that's not her, you know, she's articulate and vibrant and creative and all those things. And I feel like if I was in there, I'd be able to say, in fact, the one thing that really persuaded the consultant to really review her was she'd been sitting doodling and her drawings on the first couple of days were just amazing, typical mum, like just beautiful. Oh. And then on the third day I showed him and he was, he took a photo. He said, I can't believe someone's done this three days after major brain surgery. And then on th- day three, they were just scribbles. She was trying to draw, but it was just nothing. And it was at that point that he said, "Okay, yeah, we just need to get on and get an MRI and see what's going on. Right, right. And the MRI, like you you say, it wasn't like... 
They said it was inconclusive, but they weren't sure. So I imagine maybe mum was distressed or didn't understand what was happening, perhaps. So she couldn't stay still kind of thing. Um, Yeah, maybe. Or she just didn't know where she was. I mean, when she could speak, she kept saying to me, I'd say, do you know where we are in the hospital? She said, oh, I thought thought we were at the palace or I thought we were at the post office or... I mean, she was really funny. She was really concerned that my brother, who is a very straight 45-year-old man, he needed to borrow a dress from our cousin and she was adamant. She said, you must get Oliver this dress. He's going to a party. He wants the one with the feathers and the sequins, which we just loved and thought was brilliant. Oh, Um, So, yeah, so I think there was definitely a sense of anxiety in the hospital. Um, Yeah. Which I understand, you know. Yeah, totally. um, And there was, I think there's a whole wing now of COVID, but actually we're quite lucky that the neurology part of the hospital is completely separate. They have their own ICU, they have their own um, theatres. But I'm guessing that may change if they have to. They're trying to get rid of everybody from from there. Right. Because obviously they've got an ICU with ventilators for their brain surgery people oh, I see. which might be needed yeah, for covid to use people that for covid yeah 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 it must be so scary to be a nurse right now mm. and and is your brother a- around as well are you seeing him much or? yeah so ollie and i have been um staying at mum's his girlfriend works in our office so again we were trying to isolate from her and try and keep ourselves away from everyone so that we could feel confident that we were okay to be around mum. Yeah. Um, so it's been really strange. Like, you know, we haven't lived together since we were 16, maybe. Wow. Um, and actually, it's been really cool. It's actually been really nice. And we've got, like, tidied mum's house. She's quite a hoarder. So we haven't thrown anything away. But her under stairs, you know, we couldn't get in. And there's, like, knit knitwear designs from the 70s and oh wow so we, and we found all the family photos so we've been going through those so it's yeah that's been quite nice actually Aww. yeah yeah it's these sort of funny little moments that come out of sort of you know such extreme yeah, yeah. even like the bedside vigil you know when you're just sitting with we've been sitting for hours with mum and some of it she's been asleep yeah it's kind of weirdly special time I don't know how to explain it but um yeah, it's been. I'm so grateful that there's two of us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's so good to share it. Mm. Yeah, has Mother's Day taken on a bit of a new yeah. resonance for you this Do you time? know, my mum's hilarious. She would probably say, oh, that's such an American thing. I'm just, you know, it's just a load of nonsense. And actually, she, she probably wouldn't have even particularly cared. Right, yeah. She's quite, she's quite alternative and she's quite funny. Um, so I'm not sure that it's ever been a huge deal for us as a family anyway, because mum's never made that big a deal of it. Right. But yeah, when you when you said that to me, I thought, oh, yeah, it's a bit sad. And, you know, it's just the thought of her being on her own and not knowing where she is and us not being able to. If she saw us, she would feel safe just for the fact that she knew we were there. So so that's more upsetting, really, just generally, I think. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so hard not to be her advocate sort of thing, as you exactly. said earlier, like, that, that must be the hardest thing. You know, if she really. could speak, I wouldn't worry and, and I'd be happy to FaceTime her. I wouldn't have a problem with not visiting, but it's the fact that we know her and as lovely as any staff are, they don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, they do need to sort out for people like us some way of communicating if you've got 
patients that aren't able to speak for themselves. Definitely. If you can't go in, there just needs, I feel there needs to be a bigger understanding. So my battle tomorrow is going to be, you know, can we arrange a time every day where the medical team can call me for two minutes? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think um, that's unreasonable at all. No, I hope that's not unreasonable. <laughs> I really don't think it is. Oh, and so how's your husband coping? He did say to me, your job is really shit. <laughs> Oh, bless him. So I'm lucky that I work from home and do um, design work and bits and pieces. But so I'm totally flexible. I mean, I'm, you know, I do all the traditional mum stuff and I'm, you know, not now, but for years I was on the PTA and um, everything like that. And honestly, Rich just has no idea. He wouldn't know how to log into a parent portal to find schoolwork or anything like that. So he's had a really steep learning curve. And even um, my eldest son's school's been really proactive and they had a Zoom conference with the headmaster. And so Rich had to like, you know, build that into his day. So not just conferences for work, but now conferences with school as well. Right, yeah. Um, so Amy, how do you see this playing out? Like for you personally, how do you think, like, will you will you remain at your mum's indefinitely sort of thing or like what? what? No, so the children will be, once they're past their 14-day um time which will be next thursday then i think we're fine to go back to living in one household um it was just the fact that they'd had a cough and a fever um which fortunately i'd already been at mum's for two days so i wasn't part of the household so that's right actually god send us i wouldn't have been able to go to the hospital just by luck or chance that we were dealing with getting mum in hospital so once they once they're out of that that will be fine and Obviously, I can't visit the hospital at the moment, so I can help both of them with their schooling from home. Yeah, but our priority, obviously, is to try and get mum out of, even if we have to care for her at home, is to get her out of the right. hospital. Yeah, 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 it's just not a safe place for her to be. Um, uh, OK, well, look, all the best. We, you know, if you can keep us updated on your on your mum, that would be Yeah, I will, great. I will do. I will do. It's good to chat. Talking and... <laughs> I hope that uh, yeah that she kind of you know gets gets to speak again soon and, I know, uh, so and do you get I. to see I do her. Miss her a lot. I bet you do. I bet you do. Yeah. Um, well, big love to you, Amy, and um, thanks. Claire. Thanks for talking to us. Yeah. Keep well. We are the Backstory Podcast on Facebook and Instagram at the backstory pod on twitter search for the backstory with claire and susie in your podcast directory for sponsorship opportunities or if you'd like to take part in a show please contact hello at the backstorypodcast.co.uk the backstory podcast is produced by tin shared productions Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.